Postalytics is a marketing tech software tool that's designed to solve three big problems with direct mail marketing, postal mail. Number one, we cut down the speed, the time it takes to do a direct mail campaign from four to six weeks to one week. Two, we integrate direct mail with your other marketing channels through your CRM or your marketing automation tool. So you can have your email, your direct mail, your digital all working together. And then number three, we provide analytics so you can track what is happening after you send the direct mail. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today, I'm going to show up Dennis Kelly. Dennis is the CEO and founder of Postalytics. It's actually a direct mail automation platform, sort of like how you can go on and MailChimp and send out an email to somebody. Well, you can do the same thing with Postalytics, except they'll send mail, like birthday cards or pamphlets or whatever you want to send. It's super cool. It is not very expensive. I was actually shocked at the price of it. Very interesting conversation. This guy has a lot of experience in other startups before he got into this, and it sounds like it's going amazingly well. Again, I think it's one of those things that we say we want to do, but we got to get someone on our team to do it, and we don't always do it. So I think it's pretty cool. So check out this conversation I had with Dennis. Also on this episode, I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about finding a niche for yourself. So before I jump into that, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. Very easy for borrowers to use. As the borrower is filling out the app, it's automatically figuring out what the client needs. Second thing is that when that app comes in, you can then go search all the rates and guidelines because it's connected to Lender Spotlight. One thing people don't realize is that often when clients are filling out applications, they actually do gather up their documents because they don't know the answers. And if you make it really easy for them to send you the documents, you'll find that you'll get documents and applications at the same time. At least that's what we've been noticing with Finmo. Check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo and check out this conversation that I have with Dennis. Hey, Dennis, welcome to the show. Scott, thanks so much for having me. Hey, man. So in 90 seconds or less, tell me about what problem Postalytics solves for, in my case, mortgage brokers for our audience. Sure. So Postalytics is a marketing tech software tool that's designed to solve three big problems with direct mail marketing. Postal mail. Number one, we cut down the speed, the time it takes to do a direct mail campaign from four to six weeks to one week. Two, we integrate direct mail with your other marketing channels through your CRM or your marketing automation tool. So you can have your email, your direct mail, your digital all working together. And then number three, we provide analytics so you can track what is happening after you send the direct mail. Right. We'll dive into this in more in detail. We were chatting before we turned on this. So uh, before we dive into how you solve this problem, like tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get here? Like what's the story of, you know, before you got to Postalytics and then where did the idea for this come from? So I've been involved in starting up tech companies for the last 30 years. So this is my sixth startup and you meet a lot of great people along the way. And so when you're an old guy like me, you have a big network unless you're a total fool. And yeah. so ended up working with a brilliant software architect a couple of times in different startups. And a few years ago, we realized that we were living near each other out of the blue and we got together and he had a business, but he had a little side gig going and he showed me some software that was helping to measure what's going on with direct mail campaigns because he himself was doing direct mail campaigns for his business. And he thought, geez, there's got to be some way to measure this stuff. So he built something. As most engineers will do, they will go build whatever it is that they need. 
And yeah. uh, so we looked at it and we saw this huge amount of investment going into marketing technology and email marketing, digital marketing. And then there was no new investment going into direct mail tech at all. And we started digging in and we thought, you know, this is a process that really hasn't changed since 1990s, early 2000s, but it's still a huge business in the right. U.S. alone. Dan Kennedy, man, and these guys used to do the direct mail. They made fortunes from it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's still a really big business. It's just been kind of left behind from a marketing tech perspective. And so we thought, you know, there's an opportunity there to kind of bring this channel, this marketing channel into the 21st century. That's really what drove us to start Postalytics. Right. Okay. So you kind of saw that there was an opportunity to use some modern tech and solutions to, you know, I'm convinced that Amazon saved Canada Post because I think Canada Post, like where I'm in Canada, like it was kind of a dying thing. And now like they don't really want to leave their house anymore. We got Uber. And so, you know, and this makes sense. You can send, you guys do mail marketing. So I'm going to dive into each of those things, speed, integration, analytics. So Give me an example of a campaign that you recently that one of your clients ran that was like, okay, here's what we want to do and walk me through what happened and what they had to do and then what it happens on your end, just so that people get a picture of, and we'll dive into like a little bit on pricing and stuff, obviously volume and stuff matters, but we'll talk about that later. But I really want to understand from, I've got a business, I want to run a campaign, what happens and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So often, a lot of the times people will start looking around for a solution like ours when They've made an investment in marketing tech. So they've got Salesforce or HubSpot or some, you know, automation and running their back end. They're doing a lot of email marketing and they're seeing the response rates from that email marketing decline over time. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times they'll say, all right, well, what other channels can we use to try to reach these people? And direct mail will pop up. And so in this scenario, we've got a client that's got an investment in Salesforce and what they've seen is that when they send direct mail to work in conjunction with their email, the overall lift is about 30% compared to okay, interesting. either channel by itself. Right. And so they were doing direct mail kind of the old fashioned way where they were, you know, pulling together graphic design files in Adobe with a graphic designer. They were having data people put together spreadsheets with columns of data and names and addresses and personalization columns like, hey, you mm -hmm. know, here's a loan for this. Here's a refinance offer for this. And then they were working with local print partners to, you know, figure out, all right, this piece of data goes here. I need to print that out, send it back. I need to do little test campaigns, multiple vendors. We got to figure out postage. Like how do we optimize postage? And oh then, yeah, I, my head hurts even just thinking about how to do it. Like, so I, the last thing I want, you know, even as a mortgage broker owning a brokerage, is to be thinking about all those details. So you're basically saying with you guys, do I go to your website and let's say if I'm a customer, and then I say, do I upload? Well, here's what I want to send, and then here's my data, and it could be that my data is being pulled directly from because you got the integration piece, which we'll talk about next. So is that what happens? So let's say I've got a letter that I think, hey, this is a letter or something I want to send out to all of my clients. How would I get that into your hands? And then what happens once you get it? Well, again, create a free account. Go to our editor, build your letter in our software, just like you would in Microsoft Word or any other tool. Build the letter, plug in the personalization variables, hi, first name, 
we're going to offer you this. No different than you know, creating an email, really, like in MailChimp or something, except it's being done and it's going to be pushed into a paper form. This is exactly the model. The idea was let's make direct mail as easy as email marketing. Right. Because if you think about it, it's kind of the same thing, except instead of pushing messages to an email server, you're pushing messages to a printer and then yeah. they're dropping it off with the post office and it's going from there. And but can you it, add images that, and stuff? It's kind of the exact same process. Right. Can you add images and stuff into these? Like what sort of like functionality? Because sometimes I like to add, you know, an image or something that can make sense if it makes sense for the, you know, marketing. And so you add those in, hit the button. And so from the time I hit a button, so let's assume you have my database already and I hit a button. How long will it take for that campaign to hit a printer and then start going out? And if you're listening, this works in Canada and the US. When we had connected, I wanted to make sure that this was something that I actually, because my listeners are both, and I didn't want something that would only work because it always kind of sucks for my Canadian listeners when I talk about a tool. It's like, oh, it's amazing, but it doesn't work for you. You know, it doesn't work in Canada, but this does. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I'll come back to that. But so you press send and that next day, the printing process starts. It goes through an address validation and verification system first. So if we find bad addresses, we kick them out. You don't get charged for them. Right. So that's step number yeah. one. The known good addresses, they all get packaged up, printed, dropped in Canada Post or the United States Post Service within two business days. Right. Okay. And then, so if you don't have my data, so let's say, again, I got this letter, I got, you know, a thousand clients or 5,000 clients, so I'm going to send an address, I want to send something to, how do I get you that information? What are the ways, I guess this ties into integration. So give me the basic way, I'm assuming probably a CSV file, and then what's the other more sophisticated ways to do it yeah the basic way is csv or excel file upload you know lots of people do that you know they're tracking stuff in various databases export upload or their rental list from a broker a list broker saying hey i want to target people in these you know areas they buy a list upload it but more and more of our clients have already invested into some sort of marketing tech where they're tracking their customers and they have their addresses mm -hmm. And if that is the case, then you plug in our integrations, you grab either a list. Let's say I'm in HubSpot and I define a list. I can just click, grab that list, pull it in, send to it within five minutes. Or I can hook into what are known as workflows. And so if you're familiar with the idea of like dripping or sequences of messages that are driven by automation triggers. Yeah. So let's say, that somebody shows up on the website, they fill out a form, and all of a sudden we know this person has a loan with this interest rate. Well, we can be kicking out a letter in an email out of HubSpot or out of Salesforce or out of Zoho or whatever. And we can pull the data directly that says, hey, you know, Scott, we've got this great offer for you. Here's what the offer is. Hit this QR code to respond. And all of that is being done automatically without any human setup. Once you create your template, these systems just run on their own. Right. I just looked this up. You guys are integrated with Zapier as well. So even if, are you directly integrated into some of these CRMs so you can just like pull the data? So you could literally not only do a bulk campaign, which you could also do campaigns that are set over a period of time where it's like, hey, hit a certain milestone or a certain thing triggers in the CRM and then boom, you can send out letters to everybody without any like, yeah, absolutely. In fact, what a lot of people end up doing is they're looking at their email marketing. They're finding declining open rates over time. 
Right. And so they say, well, you know, how am I going to reach these people? So if they can set up a workflow that says, if a recipient hasn't opened four emails in a row, kick them off into a direct mail flow. So that we'll start hitting them with postcards and letters to try to get them to re-engage. Right. Right. Or let's say somebody unsubscribes from email. Well, all that means is that they've unsubscribed from email. That's it. They haven't unsubscribed from mail. Right. That's right. That's right. Right, right. Interesting. And then, okay, so we've got the speed. You go on, it's like sending an email. You put in your data, depending on integration, either CSV file or you can integrate with Zapier or you guys are embedded with a lot of CRMs where people can just push. So you can do bulk campaigns or, you know, trigger event campaigns, which is awesome. So then talk to me about the analytics and reporting. So then in the emails, it's really easy to track clicks and stuff because you can see they open it, they clicked it. How do you guys do it with mail? I have an idea, but I want you to explain to my listeners in case they're, I ask questions like I always say, tell me like I'm 10. So tell me like I'm 10, how this all works. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've built a patented method of creating personalized QR codes and assigning a unique QR code to each person in a campaign. So you get a mailer from Postalytics and it's got an offer and it says, you know, hit this QR code to claim your offer. So Scott, you hit that QR code. We know, okay, this is Scott from this specific piece of mail in this specific campaign. And then we're able to track exactly where you go online if you hit the conversion goal. So Mm -hmm. you start it, you go through, you finish, we got a goal achieved, and then all that data is being captured in a dashboard, displaying for you exactly who's responded, when, where they went, and we can even sync it back into that CRM of yours through Zapier right. or through one of our integrations. So all of a sudden- Oh, that's know, cool. So not only it talks both ways, so now you can get, you put this QR code on a piece of mail, somebody clicks the link, and then it's getting pushed back into your CRM that, hey, they open the link on your mail, not just your email. Okay, that's, I didn't expect, it's a surprise. Exactly. It's a full round trip, just like email marketing. Somebody clicks on, you know, your call to action button in an email, you know about it, right? And your system then says, okay, Scott clicked, have a rep pick up the phone, right? Or whatever the case may be. You can send out all those automations off of direct mail now for the first time. Right, right. Interesting. So because you're creating a unique QR code for every individual piece of mail, like, I remember once reading about, as a bit nerdy, but is there a limit to the number of QR codes that can be created? Like, because uh, <laughs> like, you think, will you run out or will you be like, oh shoot, you know, this QR code? Because it's really just, if you think of it, the black, it's just zeros and ones. And it's like this long string of zeros and ones. And it's like either on or off, right? That's all a QR code is, is how I would yeah, understand. Yeah, no, you're right. Theoretically, you could run out, but there are trillions of combinations. And if I'm sending trillions of pieces of mail, I'll find a solution to that problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll just make the box bigger. Like you just <laughs> add, like the reality is, is that you can make the squares smaller, right? Because it's zeros and ones and it's however many is in that box. You just extend the box and now you've got more combinations. Yeah, yeah. It's an image, right? And so yeah. what level of a pixel the ones and zeros are actually representing, but there's a lot. There's I, a lot I, of- I, yeah, there, there, I read a thing with this guy, like this scientist guy figured it out and there's almost an infant number. Like it's ridiculous. Cause I was like, we're going to run out of, like what is a weird thing to th- worry about, right? Like what if we run out of QR codes? Like 
my wife is like, why can't you just remember to pick up milk? I'm like, yeah, but that's not interesting. <laughs> What's interesting is could we run out of QR codes? And then I went down this whole path of like QR codes and no, we're not going to run out of QR codes. But so, okay, tell me about, because when QR codes first came out, this is back to the analytics part, which I think is brilliant what you've done. It was kind of this cool technology. And I was joking with you. I've seen people with it in their email like address, like read the QR code in your email. But like, how have you seen COVID change the adoption of the use of QR codes or what happened? Because I got to think that it's way more common now because I go to a restaurant, I don't want to touch a menu. Because like, here's the thing, I'm 47. On my phone, I can actually zoom in, just read the menu. If I have a menu and I'm like, I don't want to have you know, my reading glasses, I like the QR codes. So tell me about what you've seen there. Well, we launched in late 2017 and we launched with this QR code feature. And so in you know, 2018, about 5% of our campaigns included the QR code. And then it started actually ramp up prior to COVID because what ended up happening is Google and Apple bundled this QR scanner in the native camera app in 2016, 2017. People started turning over, getting new phones, awareness started growing. So it started to inch up in 2019. And then really in the pandemic, it just blew up because, well, first marketers were thinking, oh God, it's got this QR code. Like, People are worried about touching anything, yeah. right? Even their mail initially in COVID. They, people were like using gloves to get their mail out of the mailbox because the postman had touched it. And so having that QR code there was actually a way to reassure the customer, hey, you can respond to this. And then what ended up happening is we were talking about every restaurant, you know, everywhere you go now, you're seeing QR codes and including places where they shouldn't be. But right. uh, now it's become mainstream. And so, you know, as you said, who wants to type in a URL on your phone? Right. right? I don't. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. So it's just fast and easy. In fact, in Asia, Asia was way ahead. So they really are doing QR codes for payments and all sorts of stuff. They've been doing it for years. Now, over 65% of our campaigns include the QR code. Right. Yeah. So give me an example of like, what does a price look like for something like this? And of course, it's going to vary depending on volume and stuff, but give me some ideas on like pricing for sending out mail. If I've got a database that I want to send people out to. Sure thing. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a couple of different plans and so we've got a free plan. So you can sign up for free, use the software all you want. And then when it comes time to send, you put in your credit card and you pay for every piece that you sent. Right. And, you know, with that, in Canada, you're looking at, you know, a dollar, twenty dollar thirty for a postcard, dollar fifty, dollar sixty for a letter. And then you can also then move up into a subscription. If you move into a subscription, you get human training, human support, you get lower price points on yeah. all of your pieces, and you get more functionality, right? Like you can assign multiple users. You can use a Salesforce integration, right, with a subscription. So, like the price points then drop down to like from a dollar twenty to a dollar for a postcard, or you know, a dollar sixty to a dollar twenty-five for a letter. Uh, when right. you jump what about in the U.S. for our U.S. listeners? What is the pricing like? Because there's we've got both. Yeah. So uh, the U.S. is less expensive, primarily yeah. because. The USPS has uh, less expensive options. Uh, yeah. So, in fact, you know, we have a concept of first class mail and standard class mail. Standard class takes longer, right? Yeah. It's cheaper. So, and that same free plan, you know, you can set 
a letter for a dollar sixty, a letter is a dollar in the free plan, or you know, eighty cents in a subscription. Right. I see. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then, so there's basically a couple of different ways that you could apply that. All right. So I found this Quora thing about the QR code. I got to share this because this is just this. So this is what I found. So basically, the most dense QR code is QR40, which is twenty three thousand six hundred twenty four bits. So the number, this guy says it's two to the power of 23,624 codes, which is an ungodly large number, which is more atoms and quarks in the observable universe. So like, <laughs> you're not gonna run out. Like what you're saying is, is like, I'm like, this stuff is like, oh, I, this I can remember, but not to pick up milk. Uh, and yeah, I'm like, you've taken that off my plate for today. I don't have to worry you, about you that. You don't have to worry about it, man. I, I got you, I got you covered. You don't have to worry. You're never gonna run out of QR codes. You're good. So give me a couple examples of campaigns that you've seen mortgage brokers run successfully. I mean, these are mortgage brokers are listening. There's lots of ways people could use this, but I'm interested in specifically what kind of campaigns you've seen mortgage brokers do. Yeah, so a lot of times what we'll see mortgage brokers do is, you know, they'll be targeting audiences with loans of various ages, Right. So, you know, if you've got a loan that is going to be variable, turn into variable soon, right, off of a fixed rate, you want to be talking to these people, right, because you don't want them out shopping, right? So you right, want to right. own that. So as those anniversary dates kick in, your CRM says, hey, you know, Scott's loan is going to roll over to floating in another 90 days. Let's start a cadence. Let's start hitting Scott and getting him to engage to set up a call. And so, Postcards and letters are going out in combination with email in order to drive you to set up a call or to take some sort of action on the website to indicate that, you know, you want to engage and you want to talk about a new loan, refinance. So that's a real common scenario. Either a loan is ending or it's going right. to flip over to variable. I mentioned before, we see a lot of, you know, these people, we're trying to reach them for cold lead prospecting. They're not responding to email let's drop them into a direct mail path, right? Because right. we're just not getting anywhere. And, you know, one lead is worth this entire campaign. Right. And what about like, can you send unaddressed ad mail? Is that illegal or not legal? And how does that work in Canada? Like, um... So we do not, we don't send unaddressed mail. There's some concepts that allow you to kind of blanket neighborhoods for a lower cost. We think that that's kind of spray and pray. You know, what we're really about is helping you really target and personalize and have, you know, sort of higher quality with much better chance of response. Right. Okay. So yeah, I said, heard about that before, but I wasn't sure. So basically this is, you got to have addresses. These are like your addresses that you have somehow gathered or collected through your business and you're using. Or you acquire a list, right? From buy a list. Yeah. data people, which there's tons of, tons of them out right. there. There's we help of... customers get their lists all the time. I see. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So where can people find it? If they want to come check this out, where can they go, you know, find out more about what you're doing and test this out? Absolutely. So our website is www.postalytics.com. P-O-S-T-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S. Postalytics.com. You can click on a button, get a free account. You can set up your letters and postcards right online, drag and drop. You can send yourself samples and see kind of what it looks like. It's got a built-in campaign with a QR code. You can hit that. So you can self-serve. You can contact us through the website. We're happy to have a rep you know, speak with you. But just hit us at postalytics.com. And, you know, we're making a big effort in Canada. 2022 is our first year serving Canada. Yeah. And we've had off to a great start. Canada Post actually worked with us to make all this happen, which was wonderful. 
And so we really, really want to engage with Canadian customers. So please reach and out. And you guys have already been doing this in the U.S. Yes, yeah, so that's an easy thing for them. Can you do like birthday campaigns or is that like something that could you send something out on a birthday? And so like what do people do on for that? So if they've got a list, this goes back to the integrated more list. But like give me an example of a birthday thing that you guys could send out. Yeah. So often customers send out postcards on birthdays, right. right? Saying, you know, happy birthday, Scott. You know, we thank you for, you know, your patronage. Click here to claim your, you know, gift card from Amazon or Starbucks or, you know, they have some sort of small thing that you Oh, can... I see. So, and that's just a link though. It doesn't have to be. So you just, it's like a, a QR code. Imagine that, like they can scan it. Oh, that's fun. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just get my Starbucks card, you know, whatever the promotion is. If the mail person's not scanning them all before he drops them in the box, ding, 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 I got all these cards. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Start stealing all these QR codes for <laughs> Starbucks. Okay, man, this has been awesome. I know that there's some companies that kind of do this, but not to the, this level and certainly not with the flexibility being able to go in and literally send mail like you would an email and then track it. So, you know, congrats on your success so far and if you're listening to this, go check them out. I think it's a great idea. So awesome. And thanks for coming to chat with me. All right, Scott, thanks so much. Great speaking with you and happy holidays, everybody out there. All right, hopefully you got some ideas from that conversation with Dennis. I think it's an amazing service and making mail as easy as email sounds like a brilliant concept. In this next segment, I talked to Tom Hall about finding a niche for yourself. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here. So, hey, what's our topic you want to jump into today? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, and I think we've maybe touched on this in the past, but want to kind of do a deeper dive on just the idea of kind of, you know, differentiating and finding a really good, good niche for yourself. And, you know, the reason I bring this up is just, I think really right now, more than anything, I find that more and more of our clients are looking to do that, right? And that the past few years didn't need that as much because there was just so much of such a red hot market that you could just Mm -hmm. kind of just trying to keep up. But now as things are slowing down, okay, this idea of a niche is able to allow you to kind of position yourself and differentiate yourself with all these, you know, brokers and or banks and, you know, a lot of other competitors who are coming online over the past couple of years. How do you compete with maybe a more competition now that things are slowing down? Right. Okay. I love this. I actually love this topic. So give me a, <laughs> what's your sort of first thing that you think about when you're thinking about niching? Yeah. So, you know, I think there's kind of three ways that you can kind of find your niche, right? Three areas you can kind of try and find that. And the first is kind of this idea of, you know, some people call it like client type, other people call it like an avatar, right? Like who is your model client? Who's that person that you want to go to? And someone who does this really, really well, and I won't call him out by name, but I'm sure he'll know if he's listening. He does mortgages for military families specifically. You know, it doesn't seem that that would have a particular edge for any reason, but he knows exactly how they make money. He knows exactly how to position that income. And it's a very tight community. And so his referral network within that is just excellent, right? He's just the guy who gets it done for you in that. And so by him able to say, hey, do you know what? I'm going to forget about all this other noise out there and get really, really good at this very specific avatar, as we put it, it's allowed him even now to just have a very, very strong and steady flow of business. Right. I know of a guy that his specialty is actually working with clients and going through separation and divorce. So it's a single avatar, right? Like you talk about avatar product channel. It's not product specific because he made different products you could use for that particular avatar, but his focus is solely on, and he did like 40, 50 million and almost all of it was from people going through separation or divorce. 
Right. So like you can build a really good sized business just focusing on serving the heck out of one client. And it's easier to stand out. It's much easier to stand out than right. trying to be like, I get a kick out of people who put on their website. We specialize in first mortgage, second mortgage, commercial, residential, yeah. private, third. Like, the list goes what? <laughs> you don't specialize in anything. Like, yeah. you know, and so I think that that's a mistake. And it's actually, it's counterintuitive, but the narrower you focus, the bigger you can grow. It's not true that you'll get a bigger business by trying to help more people because you'll just lose all kinds of efficiencies. It's efficiencies and it's expertise, right? And the expertise yeah. allows you to be, again, yeah, more efficient, but then also it, it's just so much better for a conversation with a client. Like you talk about someone in a divorce, you know, going into the conversation, say, oh, you just went through a divorce. Okay, what does that mean? Being able to then flip the script and say, hey, I heard this is what's happening. This is what I've done for 10 other clients in your exact situation. This is how we're going to make it better. Well, that just won you the business versus that person then saying, okay, well, I'm going to go shop around and I'm going to look around. You can have a lot more context in those conversations. It'd be a lot more valuable to your clients. I remember I met a guy who did insurance and his specialty was working. He had one particular product that was for doctors that were in right. Like, yeah. I think I told you the story, right? So they're basically yeah, yeah. specialized in doctors. And so just have an avatar. So, okay, so that's yeah. a great tip. What's the next kind of thing you think about when you're creating a niche? Right. And I think one thing to keep in mind is that there is a way to kind of combine these three kind of areas we're going to talk about. They do combine together a little bit. and But the next one, I think, is so an avatar, we talked about military. Other avatars might be something like an investor. And that leads nicely to the second one, which is products. And, you know, based on your avatar, there might be certain products that make the most sense. So, you know, if it's an investor, maybe doing certain type of cash out refis, if it's your avatar, somewhat bad or not great credit, it's, you know, finding the right bridge loans and doing credit repair, you know, all those types of things. So finding that product that suits your avatar or just going really deep on that specific type of product and, you know, building those really good bonds with the lenders who do that product very well. Right. Yeah, totally. So it could be that I think of like Dion Bag, who's a perfect example of a guy. Oh, yeah. The vast yeah. majority of his business was people buying their first or second investment property. And so it was refi purchase, refi purchase. Like, and so there's a product that he got really good at those. Or the people right now, there's a lot of you know brokers using the Smith maneuver. So, you know, sure. tax. Yeah, that's a great one. So you really yep. get into like the manual life product or the Scotia step. And so, again, you can become a product expert, which then solves, it could be, you know, those types of clients may differ. The avatar might be slightly different, but the product itself is the thing that's differentiating you. And so you can also do it that way. So I think that's the So you got the avatar, so, the, you know, the military guy or whatever, or the divorce guy, you got the product type. So what other ways can people or should people be thinking about niching or differentiating? Yeah, and I think just the final one, and maybe this is the first one people sometimes think of is just your channel right? How are you actually going out and finding those people? And, you know, I think that a really good example that illustrates this is just social media, right? I mean, I think that anybody out there now is saying, oh, yep, I got a Facebook page and I got my Instagram page and I got my TikTok and my YouTube and my this, my that. And you kind of say, okay, well, I can do all these things and I have a presence, which I think is good. But then, you know, taking it that next step and saying, okay, yeah, there are five places that I tend to hang out, but you know, I'm just going to get very, very good at Instagram. And I think that someone like Alex McFadden, he's a good idea. He's gone. He's, I've talked to him. He says, Instagram's my place, right? He could have chosen to go to Facebook and TikTok and all these things, but he's done that so, so well. And he's got thousands and thousands of followers now, and it generates him a ton of business. So by being able to really focus in and making your content specific to that platform, it's allowed him to grow really, really quickly. 
Yeah, and you don't need to be on every channel. I mean, people say no, you, you don't, should be right? everywhere. That's too, like, yeah. you can do a really good job of focusing on a single, like I, for a long time, the only thing I focused on was podcast. Like I was like, if it's, you know, right. we didn't even promote sure. the podcast. We just did, yeah. all we did was create podcast content. <laughs> and then we later added, okay, promote the shows, you know, push people to the podcast, but everything still pushed back to the podcast. I wasn't trying to like recreate a new type of show. And I right. think there's a ton of opportunity or somebody who wants to just get into TikTok. I tried to get into it. I just couldn't get it, you know, and it felt like work. Podcasting doesn't feel like work to me anymore. It feels like it's fun. Yeah. I love talking to people. Yeah. And so if you enjoy it, you're going to keep doing it. And then the key is just the consistency, right? That's more yeah. important than what specific platform that you're on. Totally. And I think that kind of last point you made too is actually a good one to kind of round out for anyone listening saying, okay, well, I agree with the idea and these are the places I can kind of look, but where do I start? Well, I think it's just that it's like, what are those types of people you love working with? Or what are those types of products you think are really interesting that, you know, that you feel you do a bit better than maybe the person next to you, right? So find those areas where, you know, over the past two years, when we've had so much volume, look back and say, well, that was actually a good deal. And that was one that, you know, I was able to really provide a ton of value for my clients. So think back and, you know, use those examples of, you know, where you've enjoyed yourself and really provide great value. That's a really good place to start. Right. I like that idea. Okay. So let's do a quick recap and then we'll wrap up this conversation on differentiating and finding a niche. Right. Yeah. So just kind of, you know, now more than ever, being able to find that differentiate, find that niche is going to be very important. And so the three areas to start kind of fishing, starting to look would be, you know, finding that right avatar, that client type, whether it's maybe a military person or a business owner or whatever that might be. Two would be product, right? So that kind of does go hand in hand a bit with the client type, but hey, are there certain types of products, certain types of lenders that you work really well with that you can, again, provide that edge? And then finally, just the channel. And we use the example of social media of saying, hey, there's a lot of great, you know, different platforms out there, but, you know, maybe the best strategy would be find the one that you're best at, you're most comfortable with, that you understand really, really well, and going all in on that. And so, yeah, looking at those three areas, maybe you want to focus in on one, two, or all three of them. But if you can do some combination and get very kind of focused, it's a great way to differentiate yourself. Right. Yeah, I like that a lot. So, I mean, your avatar, there might be a certain product that works really well for your avatar. Exactly. But, yeah. but not always. Like you can make it one or the other. So it depends. Like people who invest in investment real estate aren't always like teachers, for instance, or they're not always military people, but it's a great way to do it. And then the totally think about the channel. But one thing I would say is people listening is that. One area that you don't really want to niche that you want to have, or you certainly want to have a plan for is your database. And so what are you doing with your CRM? So your guys tool, I mean, we're talking about business in general here, but if you guys are looking for a tool for to, you know, basically manage whatever your niche is, whether it's avatar based, it's product based, manage your clients. So Blue Mortgage is fantastic. They're blue with no E. Uh, no, check them out. And um, Tom and his team can help you guys get that set up and they can serve you regardless of what sort of path you decide to go down on this. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate that, Scott. And that's exactly right. I mean, yeah, I mean, we talk about kind of going back and finding those really great deals. You know, CRM is a great place to start, but uh, yeah, appreciate yeah, you, the conversation. You can search on that. Yeah, yeah. You can search that and be like, hey, yeah. if I could clone my clients, which of these here would I really <laughs> like it. to, do, yeah. to yeah. work more of? Which ones I never want to see again. And use your <laughs> CRM for that. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks, Scott. All right, hopefully you got a couple ideas or takeaways from these conversations with Tom and Dennis. If you're listening to this, I encourage you to go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. We've got a free power search account. You can go and keyword search all of our past episodes. 
All you got to do is go set that up. And that's at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode, and I'll see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.